Well, hello, and welcome to the Couch Dissection. I'm Paul Martin. We've got Chris P. on here. We've got Marcus Kelly Marco. we got Kieran Taylor. What's going on? What's going on? Boys, what do we got to talk about this week? Well, we're here to give you the latest in MMA. What's happened, what's happening, everything you need to know. And pretty much, like, we got to talk about the fights on Saturday that just passed by. There's no doubt about it. I mean, like... You can talk about the main event, but the prelims were seriously hot, man. Just well, every single were... one of those finishes got a performance bonus. Man. And I think for good reason, right? Because they should have. Yeah, right? Because we, what were you saying? Silviana Suarez Gomez? Is that what, was that her name? I don't have it in front of uh, me. S- Silvana Juara, Suarez. Juarez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a J. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to do it. He's Juarez. special. Um, I, I think any strawweight finishes like are, are pretty impressive in their own right so the fact that we had a girl finish is just pretty amazing and we had two of them on the card so it's even I mean if you're gonna get one every six seven months and you get two on one card I mean it's Christmas Day for us then right yeah that was killer and there's something I want to touch on real quick too is uh that uh, Jocelyn Edwards girl, uh, I know she, uh, that Paul, you were the talking about. The rare featherweight fight. The rare featherweight fight. But the thing about this is, is she won that fight, but she wasn't supposed to take that at featherweight. Her opponent kind of forced it on her. That was yeah. supposed to be a bantamweight fight. She came up and banged with a girl who was way bigger than her and still pulled out the decision. I thought that was pretty impressive, too. It was. Yeah. It's respectful. It is respectful. So she had a good opponent. You finished a good opponent, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Pretty sure she's French, too. I was just really, really happy with the whole prelims. Like, everything about the prelims was so exciting from, like, start to finish. I mean, we got one de- – there was one decision, I think, two decisions, There's right? A like, uh, honestly, look how many first-round knockouts were. Like, this was this was a hot card here that was really exciting. You could start with the the one guy, the, the young man who's uh, in the lightweight division. He's a six-foot, uh, 22-year-old. Uh, I'm going to try not – I'm going to try to respectfully say his name – Mahi Shot. He actually goes by one name. He went he went to the UFC and asked you to go by one name, and it's just Mahishate. Mahishate? Yeah. Well, listen, man. Kid, you can fight, okay? You starch that guy. That was a hell of a knockout. That was probably one of my favorite knockouts. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Jacob Delaman... Uh, I can't say his name. Della Madalena. Della Madalena had a wicked knockout, too. But, like, honestly... I'm more impressed by the age of this kid and his composure and how you can walk in there and in a minute and 12 seconds you got the job done and you know, got out of there. There's there's a point I'd like to touch on that I feel like bleeds into this a little bit. And um, from what we know, Yuri became the light heavyweight champ this weekend. And uh, he just took out the oldest champion, current active champion, oldest champion ever. He's now the youngest champion. And what I found interesting is I found a stat today. Every single one of your UFC champions are between 32 and 35. Yuri Prohaska is 29. So, wow. so when you talk about Mahishate being 22 years old and he's beating guys like this, you've got seven years before you even get the experience that Yuri Prohaska has. Any UFC fight that you have on your, uh, you know what I mean, on your results, where you're a winner, is respectable. The UFC is where it's at, you know what I mean? This guy starts a dude in a minute and 12. Kid walked in and starts a professional in a minute and 12 seconds and said, pay me. Yeah. I love it. Pay I, and they did, 50 Gs. Yeah. <laughs> Part of me wants to be a little bit of a devil's advocate on this one, though. As that's like, why we have you here. Um, <laughs> like, I also believe, like, you finished, what, it was a 12-second finish? Uh, no, minute 12. Minute and 12. Minute 12. It's first round, like, is it a lucky shot? Can you continue that level of, yeah. that level of skill, that level of precision? Because, like, when you're doing stuff like the McGregors of the world and stuff like that, when you're getting those finishes early in your UFC career, I think it's important to maintain... That skill level, so not to get a big head. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, is he going to go into his next fight thinking, oh, I knocked this guy out in tw- a minute 12. Yeah. I've got my next opponent. Maybe t- you can't underestimate. I'm not is saying it, is it is. a one-off, right? No, but, but, but there's a lot of dudes who come in and get one-minute <laughs> finishes. If we're being honest, there's, there's a lot three. of them. Well, I argue that's a game. Very, it's honestly a respectable, uh, it's a respectable opposition to, to say. I love that this kid lost his first fight by decision. And then after that, he goes on a seven-fight win streak now. He has won seven fights in a row. He has finished five of them by knockout. Four of them? Five of them, I got to make sure I can How recent were the decisions? His decision? Wait, uh, when was the last decision? His last decision was on the Contender Series. So, 
Listen, young I man mean, on the contender series. I mean, that's competitive. Okay, I mean, yeah, that was that, it. Would be probably better than being in like a PFL yeah, or no, one of those LFA or one of those. Yeah, yeah, leagues. that's yeah. what I mean. November second yeah. of two thousand twenty-one, this fought. Okay, he got a decision, but just before that, he was in uh, the WLF MMA organization and was coming off a minute 13 first round KO. Yeah, like he, I think if this so kid has yeah, at lightweight. Six foot, so he's long. He's gonna be a big guy for the division. I love this kid as a prospect. I really like. Yeah, twenty two like, years old. He's got a. He's got a long. Can you please say his name? Because you'll respect my shot My shot You're my guy. I'm riding oh, by I, with you. I, I think whenever you get the call, and the contract says the same day as Wei Li, and JJ, right? Like JJ two. JJ two. After one of those legendary but, fights. But if if you get if you're on that fight card. You better show up with your friggin' A game, cause like, I, I, like if you're not, if there, if that's, and it feels like that the prelims, the entire prelim card, felt like it had that vibe of like, we all need to perform and have that kind of level of. I, you know what? Yeah. Oh, can I may butt in here? Yeah, but, of course. Uh, you know, it's funny. Me and Paul were talking about this. We we were watching the card together early, and uh, it, it's seven in the morning at Singapore during that first fight, and and it felt like. At the beginning, it kind of felt like they hadn't gotten their coffee yet. But then, you know, you start getting in that prelim, it started feeling like they started juicing up and getting caffeine. I'm stealing yeah. that from you. But yeah. but how did you feel about that, Paul? Those two girls, when they first started in the first round there, it really looked like you could tell it was 7 in the morning. Yeah, Jocelyn Edwards and, and uh, uh, I would Ramona Pascal. I yeah. to bed that early to do anything, let alone compete in a professional sport. That is your bedtime. <laughs> yeah, you're a grinder, man. No, but uh, I think that's a, a good leeway into the main card here. You know, I've been talking big, even on the last podcast, about Jack Della Maddalena. And I, I, how did he deliver for you boys? Mark, you go first. First off, he put on so much work to like figure out how to say that name. I did. Yeah, just for you, Jack. I hope, I hope you're proud. <laughs> I actually respect that. <laughs> um, so, for me, it like you were saying it. We were obviously all talking during the fights. So when he came out, I was kind of like, oh, "Is this another one of Kieran's fighters that we're gonna?" <laughs> I have a lot he's excited about um, that. I just I I I can't. You got to go out and show it for me. So when he went out there and did what he did, um, you showed heart. You showed grit. He showed skill and passion. Like, that, for me, is, like, key. So, guys, like, that I'm noticing, like, uh, I watched Izzy's uh, YouTube channel, and he does reactions to the fights every fight card. Yep. His reaction to Jack is, Jack's a fucking beast. Like, he's a beast. Jack's got that Nate Diaz volume, and he's got that heart, and it's fun. It, that's not a one-off, either, because you go, so you go watch that Contender Series fight, and he shows the exact same amount of heart. He gets caught in a choke. He fights against a grappler, and he fights very well. He shows his intelligence in the grappling, and he gets it done. And he gets it on the feet, and he bangs it out with the volume, just like a, a Diaz brother would. I just hope for his style of fighter, like we've seen a ton of guys like him. Um, yeah, it's sustainable. You're going to be an exciting fighter to watch, but like, are you going to be a champion with that style? I don't know if that is a championship style. He's going to have to mold some of the things he does. Because once you do get to that upper echelon in that division, you're only fighting guys that are, they're chin hunting, they're leg, lo- like they're they're landing leg kicks, they're there's, it's a more overall performance from them. So for my opinion of him, I think he's fantastic. Um, he made a fan out of me this weekend, but I do think it's important that his style has to switch up. Like if you look at a Gaethje, mm-hmm. yes, Gaethje is also a pressure fighter. He's also a volume kind of guy. He does hit like a truck, but then look where it all ends up for him. Once you get to championship fights, you cannot grapple in those moments. You cannot, you're not landing the strikes in the moments you need. You're exerting the wrong energy. In the, so as far as being a championship level fighter, you look at the Usmans, you've, you kind of have to, you've, you have to be calculated. So, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing for these fighters to start learning this earlier. So yes, you have a style and it works for you, but you also need to adjust. You look at the like, like I said, the John Jones. He's still only twenty five. That's still though, like, and absolutely, there's so much time to so much time for him to grow. But I still think it's important that you start earlier than later, because mm-hmm. I think when you look at all the greatest fighters in our game today, 
they're all, what are they? They're career mixed martial artists. The GSPs, the John Joneses, the Anderson Silvas, they didn't have to learn how to fight different to become champion. People had to learn how to fight them. GSP yeah. had to learn to fight different for uh, Matt Hughes. Oh, absolutely. But, but again, career martial artists where he, he gets to a point where Matt Hughes, he's going to out-wrestle me. He's going to, you know, gra- he's going to yeah. grapple me. So now I've got to go wrestle for eight months. And But here's where I like to really look at it. And I appreciate your technical perspective on it. I love the technical perspective. But so far as I look at this guy, who's a 25-year-old prospect here from Australia, who's got a 12-fight win streak right now. He has finished 11 of 12 fights now mm-hmm. in the first and second rounds. And 10 of those are by knockout. One of them is by submission. I mean, okay, nine of them are by knockout. But then the one is by a cut, which is basically you beat your face and until it was opened up. But what I really love about him is that if this dude is out there to party, then that means I ain't going to miss a fight. That means I can't wait to see this guy the next time he comes in. I will not miss a fight. I love the technical aspect. And can he go up to those upper levels? Absolutely. But I'll still watch that guy smash well, Let me ask you a question. Uh, you missing a Gaethje fight? Absolutely not. Is he going to win a championship? I don't care. Because he he's just going to go out there and kill himself the to try. Probably, the answer is probably absolutely not. No, 100%. <laughs> so, like, if I'm being honest. So, like, so guys like Jack, you got to really, like, hone that stuff in. Be, you talk about this a lot with Gaethje. Yep. You say controlled chaos. You can... I you think can a lot perf- of people say that. But you can perform <laughs> that controlled chaos in the ring, but it has to be some somewhat controlled. The Chuck Liddell's of the world... Wild striker, honed it in. I don't. Yeah, but I don't believe that Jack is as chaotic as a Gaethje. I feel like he's a volume guy like a Diaz. I don't know. I feel like that's different. You're not swinging for the fences on every punch. One seventy. Who's next? Well, that's for him. Who's next at one seventy? Kevin Holland. Mm, No, because Kevin Holland will get ranked, guys. He'll probably get one more unranked before he gets it. But Paul, what's your opinion on Jack? Because we've all gone through ours. Jack's got some serious potential, but he's in a shark tank of a division. You got Colby there. You got Burns. You got Hamzat coming up. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. You got Usman. Like, that division's one of the most talented in the UFC. Usman's now, I believe it's Usman. It's Usman or Francis are now the oldest champion in the UFC. They were not even really, you didn't even mention Leon or Bull. No. You didn't even name two killers on their own. Yeah. Yeah. That whole division, the top ten. Sean Brady, he's up. there too. Yeah, Sean Brady. Brady. Yeah. There's yeah. lots of guys yeah. there. There's lots of guys at 170 coming up. And then, uh, yeah, so after that we had, what was it, the Jake Matthews Fiala fight, correct? Mm-hmm. Holy, Jake Matthews. Another, I, he's an Aussie too. Is he New Zealander or is he an Aussie? Can anyone check me? I'm not Australian. sure. He's Australian. He's Australian. So, yeah. so we had two back-to-back Australians. I know there was a lot of Australians in that crowd because Rob was supposed to fight. Robbie yeah. Whitaker was supposed yeah. to fight Marvin Vittori. So those were the guys they came to see. And thank God, Jack Della Maddalena and, and Jake Matthews showed up the way they did. I mean, the fun part about this, too, is that, you know, he just came off a loss to Sean Brady, who we just touched on, who is probably one of the best prospects in the welterweight division. He just lost by an arm triangle. Before that, he was running a three-fight so win streak. He had just beaten Diego Sanchez, which is a respectable veteran of the UFC. Diego but, Sanchez beats himself. I'm just going to interject. On no, that. like, don't get me, don't get me wrong here. Unless you're like, Michelle Pereira, that he's taking that W when you give it to him. That, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast The Sanchez cast. <laughs> at some point, we need to do a podcast on just the worst fights ever. Oh, oh, we could do that, yeah. For you know sure. I mean? Diego Sanchez also has some of the best fights ever. No yeah. question. Like, Clay Guida, that's probably... And there's a reason why his nickname's The Nightmare. Like, but was the it... The guy used to be scary back in the day. Yeah, you had, his mentality was you guys wild. Have been fan, you guys have been fans longer than I have. Did he not go something crazy like 19 or 20 and 0 or something like that coming into the UFC? Um, I want to say yeah. he was 19 and 3 when he challenged BJ Penn. I think it was at UFC 103, There's no, no 106, and he literally was on such a tear at lightweight that he was a viable contender for that title against BJ Penn. Like, Diego Sanchez in his own right, if we want to go down memory lane here, like, is one of the biggest dogs. Who can forget the head kick that should have taken Clay Guida's freaking head off his shoulders? His head looked like he should have been in the third row. He kicked him so hard, man. Like... Man, you gotta have you gotta but love Brady. Diego. So the San- Sanchez is like 
a decent win at, even at this stage. It's a respectable UFC win is so, where I'll put that. You know what I mean? So now it's just who's his next. So then at 170. Guy? He was 17-0 uh, and 0 against Koscheck when he lost. There you go. So Josh Koscheck is the dog days. 17 and 0 in the dog days. Yeah. Yep. So I wonder at 170, like you just said, it's a shark. It's an absolute shark tank. So if at 170, right, we have the Usman Edwards fight, mm-hmm. right? You have to assume Colby has to fight what probably Burns. Colby's got to fight someone. He. That's what I'm saying, right? I think he can camp it out like he usually does. Because, like, everyone's going to beat everyone until there's nobody. But you know what, Is though? It? Like, at some point, like, we need to start giving Colby beatdowns on that. But when you when you get guys like Jake Matthews coming up and the Sean Brady's of the world, their spot's going to get swept up pretty soon. But they're going to they're gonna fight you. Okay, so if you become champion, guess what you got to do next call? You got to fight one of those dudes coming up. So I don't see why beating them now... Izzy's a prime example. Izzy comes into his division, fights whoever it takes to get to wherever it takes. Once he gets to that point, what does he do? Fights whoever it takes to get to where it takes. You know who else they got in that division? That's a low key dark horse. Uh, that's Shavkat Rachmanov. That uh, that fifteen and zero cat from Kazakhstan, I believe. Yes. Or he's from he's from Eastern Europe or the Russia or Central Asia. I can't remember exactly where it is, but. Yeah, there's, that's another guy to look out for. People are talking about him versus Kamsat and how that would play out. And I think it's a legitimate concern for, for guys at the top of the division right now. But I will say, though, like, where Burns and Kamsat fought at 170. Yeah. And Kamsat also fights at 185. Sometimes. You know? So, yeah, like, I what Whitaker said a couple weeks ago is, like, you can't really take those shots at 185 that he took from Burns. There's there at those that top five and one eighty five and we got to assume at this point Kamzat's getting a top five fighter in either division. So Hamzat, at, what, I I brought this up to you the other day. Uh, that 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 fight was during Ramadan, and post weigh in that man was not allowed to rehydrate for that one seventy fight. He didn't eat before that that Gilbert Burns fight. So like imagine that only having the meals at night while you're supposed to sleep. Because you have you have to keep a schedule to fight the next day. So, so that man wasn't exactly a hundred percent going into that Burns fight. Okay, so like at this point now though, because even it, regardless, he beat him, right? Yep. So like, where does Kamzai go now? Up. So, to who? Who is he fighting? Kobe? It's no, got to be a Kobe, or he gets the winner of Leon and and and, and Kamara. Isn't Kobe out either of those guys though? Isn't Kobe out for a he while? He beats Leon because Kobe, he got a soccer punch. Remember, Kobe just defeated Jorge Masvidal in a. Cage fight and a street fight. Then he lost uh, to a street. Kobe lost. He lost the street fight. fight. Allegedly, allegedly, he would have won the street fight if it was one on one, but it was one on thirty-eight people. Yeah. So. Yeah, I heard it was one on six. Poor guy's Rolex got more damage than he got in the <laughs> fifteen match. But that's the worst. That 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 one probably hurt the worst. Okay. We're getting a little off topic though, Paul. What did you think about the Jake Matthews knockout and how he performed against the guy you were pretty high on, Andre Fiala? Interesting thing about Andre Fiala. That was his fifth fight this year. This year. This year. This calendar year. It's As in June. 2022. It it's is June. June. We are six months into the year, and this man's five fights deep already. Wow. Apparently, every time he wins a fight, he goes into Dana's office in their dressing room, and he's like, I need the fight next week. I need the fight ASAP. It feels like he's on every other card right now. Yeah. It feels like that. He's been doing one a month for like four months. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, his other four fights were knockouts, were they not? Uh, they were wins. They were wins. I don't know if they were knockouts. I, I know. So are we gonna really give him too much crap for getting knocked out by a really tough opponent on good rest? When now, you're that active, eventually you're gonna lose. That's just how activity works. Five and six months. Kevin Holland had a great year a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He did five in a year, twelve months. Which is rare to see. It's cowboy used to be like that, but there's not many fighters who are that active. Neil Magny's pretty active. Yeah. I gotta correct you. He's got four fights this year and two losses. And two losses. Michelle Pereira, he lost to in January. Ew. 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 By decision. And oh. then he got he got a TKO over Miguel <laughs> uh, Baeza, and then he got a KO over Cam- Cameron Metcalf, and then he, and then he got KO by Jake Matthews. So four fights this year. Four fights this year. That's still impressive. That's still four impressive. Four fights in six months. The record for a year is five. That's a fight. Yeah. That's ever. That's a fight every month and a half. Yeah. No, it's still in, in, an incredible pace. Probably get knocked out though. You're not going to see him for a few months. So I want to touch now. We can move on to uh, Whaley Zane 
And I want to touch on Whaley Zhang and how impressive she is. Before we go on to that, I just think I would need to acknowledge that the Fiala coming in with the, being the striker that he is and Jake Matthews stepping toe-to-toe with him that way, despite him being known as a grappler and doing what he did, is very impressive. Yeah, no, you absolutely. That's just how, that's how I want to end that because I want to be smooth going in this Whaley fight because it's a big fucking deal. No, here. I'm it's a big like, deal. And you know what? I'm glad you acknowledged it before we moved on because it. Someone's depressed. No, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, go ahead. I want to talk about more about Whaley Zhang and how impressive she is to me because what you touched on earlier, Marcus, you got to give facts. 115 pounds. I don't think there's a stronger woman. In that division, it was, it was Andrade before. What would she do to Andrade? Well, no, exactly. Melted right. her in 50 seconds. Man, like, Weili Zhang in strength is so bloody strong. And pound, I think pound for pound, she might be one of the strongest, like, fighters, let alone women or men. If and size were so impressive thing. with her skills. She's so good. And I think, like, she's on the path to get the title back here, man. Like, I think oh, she's, she's going to absolutely ooh. mutilate. Carla, as far as I know, disrespect Carla because you're a champion, a two-time champ. Hey, do you know what JJ picked uh, for that fight? Carla Esparza versus Wayla? I'm assuming she picked Wayla. She's popping. Wayla first round KO. My first round. Yeah. She's like, oh, like, she literally said right away. She kept Zane, saying, you know how strong time. this girl is on the ground? She's oh, so strong on the ground. That's, what, that's where a lot of what I'm saying is. You could tell. Carla struggled to get Rose down. But considering how strong Wayla is truly in the grappling, She's just strong. Like, it's <laughs> it really shows... Because you look at all the wrestlers and grapplers and, and strong people in the UFC. Um, generally, if you're that strong, like a, like a Romero or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have that kind of crisp striking. Her striking, I feel like, is up there with at least that second tier... Of superstars in the UFC. She is a, what some would call, at least at 115, a knockout artist. Uh, yeah. Right? And because she's got the power. She's got the precision. We know that Rose Rose touched her, but there's a reason why she's well, champ, you know? Well, you can also attribute one thing that she is a complete MMA fighter. Her versatility with her wrestling makes her such a threat. Like, what are you going to do Everywhere. when you go into the camp? You're going to the camp, you're like, okay, so we got to worry about the striking. you got to worry about her grappling. you got to worry about everything. Yeah, no. and, and Paul, like, I think you would know this better than anyone, but how, how, how is that going to play into Carla's, Carla's game where she's going to go and grapple her? Because you're a big JJ fan, and I know you watched that Carla fight. So how does Wayle uh, uh, pair up against uh, a Carla? The thing, Wayle versus Carla, first thing, it's going to look nothing like Rose Carla did. No. Rose no. is a counterfighter. She likes the distance. Wayle's going to charge you. You're going to get engaged. And Carla has gotten much better over the years. And her wrestling technique's superior. She's not a weak girl whatsoever. She depends on you being on the back foot. But Wayle is just a monster. Mm. Yeah, no. And, uh, I like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut into you there. But she, she needs to be on the back foot. Or she needs to put her opponent on the back foot. That's why she's developed her boxing. Because her grappling is way better when she's pushing you with the boxing, right? And that's going to be a hard time with Wayle. Because, like you said, she's going to walk her down. She's going to walk into her. You watch what she did to Andrade. She melted her in 50 seconds walking through that girl. What's Carla going to do? You know, especially when you have the grappling and the strength that Whaley carries. I I strongly think that, like, when you look at the way Whaley fights, and just in general, the, the striking with the grappling and then the clinch work. So it's, it's setting up a jab with a full body clinch just to hold you for a second, just to make you drain a little energy. I just think she's too consistent. We're, we talk about this all the time in the group, our friends group here, that Valentina is so skilled, right? But with Wei Li, I look at Wei Li, and I honestly believe that, like, besides really jujitsu, but I really think that she can get an arm bar, she can get an arm triangle, she can get a triangle choke, and a, and a rear naked choke. I mean, realistically, in the UFC, I think those are your... Co- most common submissions, yeah, right? RNC. So you don't PT, really, yeah. you don't really need to be this amazing jujitsu artist. You just need to have a little bit of jujitsu to get those. But she never in a position where she needs to guillotine someone. She's never in a position where um, it always seems like the, her opponent is trying to counter what she's doing. It's wrestling heavy. She's very aggressive with her wrestling, and she goes for ground and pound over submission. So I talked about uh, Jake changing his style of fighting. Um, Jake. 
Della Men. Oh, Della Madalena, yeah. yeah. Um, Jack, Jack yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, I thought so, you were talking about Jake Paul when you said that. Um, no, like, so I, I talked about Jack changing his style to be more comfortable so you could have that championship pedigree so that guys have to adjust to you. Um, I, I don't think there's another woman in fighting right now that you're adjusting to more than Wei Li. Like, I, I, even Val, there's things you can do. As an opponent, how do you get around that, though? With 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 a Wei Li, how do you get around her her consistency? Well, she's just so well rounded, right? Her she's she's strong, which makes her grappling more effective than it would be if she were weaker. I I think your best bet. Sorry to cut you off, but of I think your absolute best bet to beat a Wei Li at this point is do what Rose did. You're gonna stay at distance and make her think that you have more. So the best way to beat Wei Li. Is to let Wei Li bait, beat herself. Yeah, and that's kind of what she did in the third round, but it was catching up to her. When you're talking about the three-round fight yes. with Rose and Zane. Yes. Yeah. I honestly think that, like, when you got to look back at the way that um, Carla lost the title in the first place, when JJ put that beat down, which, by the way, I thought was like a four-round or five-round, like, long... It, it was only two rounds, that fight. It felt like the longest two-round fight and ass-whooping I've ever seen in my life. Like, there's no doubt about it, okay? And then you put into context the skills that Wei Li's going to bring to when she fights Esparza. Yeah. And it's like, okay, good luck taking Wei Li down. Yeah, it's even more you're expanded. You're not strong enough to take it down. Like, JJ is take down a bull. Uh, Wei Li's thighs are the size of her friggin' head. Like, She's, you're not going to take her down. That power is an issue. Exactly. Yeah. And Carla's not... I don't think Carla's going to be strong enough to put her on her ass. And at the end of the day, I think Wei Li Zhang... I hate to say Carla... But, Sorry, sweetheart. You're going to get absolutely ran through. Like, yeah, I think Wei Li's hey, going to run through. Two-time it. champ is nothing to shake your head No, at. not at all. She's <laughs> so respectable. She's one of the best. I'm, I'm more or less giving more but, flowers to Wei Li than But I that do. being said, I think by the way we're talking about Wei Li, it's almost clear that we also see Wei Li as a two-time champion. You know why we see that, right? Because it, it, Well, it's hard. because she just retired one of the greatest of all time. She just reminds me <laughs> of... Uh, she just reminds me of like 115-pound... Kamaro Usman with better striking. Yeah. Like, that's exact. You. Well, she, I wouldn't say she's... Uh, I mean, Kamaro's very technical. He's got the strength, and he's also extremely but technical. But that's the thing with She Lee. can absolutely be that. I don't think she's as technical as Kamaro, but she's great <laughs> in that division. I think her striking is, is way more technical than than Kamaro Usman's on a... on a I can get you another Whatever one. standpoint. You, uh, yeah, Absolutely, that'd be wicked. Um, I I do think Whaley is more technical striking wise than Usman, but I also believe that Usman kind of has this package where, like I said with Rose, you have to you have to make the fighters like Usman guess. So if yeah. someone's gonna beat an Usman or a Whaley, you need them to be in their own head about what you're coming with, right? And if we're being completely honest. I'm not taking away from Rose because I do think Rose is is that girl as well. But the Whaley Rose fight, I think it was very clear that like that was still a pretty lucky shot for the most part. It was a great strike. It was a fantastically set up strike. I'm not gonna, I'm not dissing Rose. I'm saying that at the end of the day, a strike like that coming from the hip on a kick straight up into the chin. And having her drop straight to Night Night Town. It's the perfect shot. It's yeah. a perfect it's shot. It's a perfect shot. And Thank you, Kim. Appreciate that, bro. And if the Carla and Rose fight said anything, it's that Rose spent the entire fight time guessing. Yeah. So with a Wei Li, it's really important that whoever her next opponent is, if it's Carla, and I believe it should be. be. It should be, yeah. She um, called for it in Abu Dhabi, eh? She wants it to be a neutral ground. Should be. Should I love China. that, actually. Yeah. That's such I an like honorable that. thing. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yeah. We cannot sleep on Carlos Barza, though. I'm like, not. She no. is that girl. And yes, Waylay might be stronger, but how much stronger do you have to be to outmatch really technical wrestling? Like and heart. Carla. Carlos got some of the best heart she in the entire division. She does not take back steps. No. She no. Like, that girl comes forward action. Even if she's getting beat up, even if she's daisy, she's she's coming to grab you. Every single time. Yeah, well, she's she's got heart. She's got heart. There's no, no, doubt. no doubt about it. And like like we all just talked about it. She's a two-time champion, but she's about to get dazed when she gets the hands put on her. By it's going to be I a daisy, no question. I think that with, 
when you look at the fact the way that JJ was able to pick her apart, which is like literally one of my favorite fights. I was literally talking to you, I think Paul, like a week ago when we were reminiscing about JJ fighting as far as and winning that title. And we literally said, like, we looked it up and it was only a two-round fight. And I was like, oh my gosh, how in the world was that only a two-round fight? Mm-hmm. So, like, honestly, you remember, were... though, that was seven years ago. Carla's striking has seriously evolved since then. With the ability to incorporate her wrestling, her striking, you know what I mean? She'll throw a few punches, and then after that, she grabs the double. Well, look at Misha, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Misha left. Also has a fight coming up. Soon. Yeah, she left and came back and probably looked the best she's ever looked. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of her best performances. She was fantastic. So when I look at Carla... I don't hate the fact that this could be her run. I just, it's hard for me as a fan of the sport to, to look at Wei Lee and not think, like, how do you beat that, even if you're Carla? So now I, I think Wei Lee's going into the fight already with the mentality of, I do my thing, I win the belt. We interrupt this podcast for your sponsor, Howlerhead Whiskey. Not actually sponsored. Not actually sponsored, but, but I'm gonna do this. Be. I'm gonna do this every day until it is, because this is some of the best Kentucky bourbon I've ever had. A uh, 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 Head and Coke tastes like a banana Coke. It's some of the best stuff I've ever had. It does go down like juice. Personally, a Tennessee really? whiskey kind of guy, but you know. What I mean? Well, I mean, I'm okay with this, man. Like this, this no, it's actually really shit. fantastic. It's this fantastic shit. It's man. it's a bourbon whiskey from Kentucky, right? A bourbon is a Kentucky whiskey, I believe, right? So I know all about that. Yeah, it's that's delicious. Uh, good job. Uh, even even my body here, who who is very critical, Paul, he says it's one of the, it's it's a good one, right? I think that's proof of how effective that in in cage. No, it's eighty proof. Is. It's eighty proof. But like in cage advertising <laughs> is brilliant because you see this stuff so much, and eventually people like us are going to buy it. Brand recognition. It. We're going to talk about it. Just like MMA dissect. You ever see our surgeon on anything? Click it. Make sure you click it every single time. Um, but boys, uh, we got to remember JJ a little bit here. You know, we're talking about Waylay. JJ's retired. That's Paul's favorite female fighter. Like we've been teasing him, but we feel bad for him. I feel for him big time. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. Standing ovation for JJ's career. JJ, you guys are killing me. Great career. It's the right thing to do. You guys are killing me. It's the right thing to do. I'm also I'm also standing because I'm a fan of other sports, and my friend sitting right over here, he absolutely loves to rip on us. So this is one of those moments we all get to give him the stuff. So yeah, we're certainly taking we'll let advantage. you. You don't love them like I love her. <laughs> so we're gonna let you. We're gonna let you get in and and give your opinion on JJ's career first. What is made it? you love JJ? What was the first moment where you're like, "This is my girl"? The violence. The violence. She brought a different kind of violence. Which fight was it? Was, was a, it that Carla fight? No, it was her. First fight, I believe, July of 2014 against Juliana Lima. And That's a super fan, people. And she brought some violence to that fight. And I noticed her quick. I'm like, this girl is the real deal. And I spectated that career. Did and you? then she fought Claudia. Yeah. Gadea. And that's personally one of my favorite rivalries of all time in the UFC. The Ultimate Fighter season they did together is one of my favorite. Oh, the, yeah, wow. The tension between those two was just insane. And JJ's just had an amazing career. For, what, five title defenses? Oh, uh, yeah, most in strawweight history. Most in strawweight history. Most in strawweight history, yep. Um, she took a young division and elevated it to the next level. And yeah. for that, thank you, JJ, for the years of entertainment. And you know high what? High-level fights and J- JJ has set the precedent for what a strawweight should be. And she, setting that bar has made people come up to that. And strawweight is one of the best female divisions because of it. You could say that she's shaped that division from the very beginning by setting a precedent that, no, you can't just be a grappler. You have, you're going to have to fight me on the feet. And that's what she forced people to do. Now, Rose was successful. Whaley was successful. But there's no way JJ wasn't ever in the top three in anyone's mind in that mm-hmm. division. Right? Uh, there, I don't think there was a point in her career she was out of the top three. Never. Or she wasn't a fight away from getting right back into a title Except fight. for maybe her first one. Um, <laughs> like, right. Uh, but when I look at JJ's career personally, um, 
that it's one of my favorite fighters as well. I just think that like somebody that has that that mentality. Um, there's not many fighters that come in and have that true passion for fighting. Fighting. Um, you know, a lot of them do it for money or you have other reasons, but there isn't a lot of people that really want to get better every day and be the best version of themselves in the in the octagon and. So when I look at JJ's career, I look at somebody who, again, when GSP retired, it you look back on it and it was like, man, this guy went in the gym and learned this, and then he went in the gym and learned this, and then I look at JJ and I'm like, man, she gets a little bit wrestled here, so the next fight, that doesn't happen, she doesn't even get taken down. She still wrestled well against Whaley. Whaley was just so strong. Oh, no, it would, I think, I was like, we're going to touch on that in the Whaley point as well, it was like, her... Both of their grappling was at an elite level so that it, it looked as if there was points where, I mean, a lot of fighters just give up and take the ground and pound and lose. JJ was up against the cage at one point, completely one leg up. Early. Just getting, first round, Early. getting, like, I think it was about six, seven really with hard ground and pound shots. With her head pushing oh, the canvas. Yeah. yeah. Hip in the air. And, and she just, she just. Paul's hating hearing this right now. She just. Reliving one, it. She just one hand, one leg, stomped them to the ground and said, I'm getting up. Yeah. And there isn't a lot of people. And by the third minute, she was on the feet again. 100%. Yeah. So I just don't think there's a lot of people with that kind of level of heart. And I think um, if, if I was going to give a fighter. Heart the and ultimate. skill. There's a lot of people yeah. coming with tons of skill and do it. Um, There's lots of people coming with tons of heart and do it, but never both. I don't do this often, being a Kobe Bryant fan, but if there was somebody with that Mamba mentality in the UFC, there's no question that JJ brought the Mamba mentality. That boogie woman. The boogie she, woman. She brought like a mentality of like, it doesn't matter who you are, when it is, or if as soon as that door closes, it's me and you, and it's like... And you're getting all of her. I honestly, and I just believe for a long time she, she there wasn't a person on the world she feels like was she anywhere near her in skill. I honestly want to reminisce before we move on to the next about uh, Valentina and uh, Tyler. I want to reminisce about one thing about JJ's career and one of my favorite parts of her career was her rivalry with Claudia Gedalia because they went on the Ultimate Fighter and everything and that rivalry was white hot for the women's strawweight division. Joanna was in the prime. She is one of the best pound for pound men or women at the time, and she was absolutely blaring everyone. She went thirteen or fourteen and zero, okay, before she got her first loss. And let's forget, like when she lost, she like she was in a bad place, you know, mentally. And we all know, like, even in your everyday life, if you're in a bad place, man. You can't focus on work. I honestly have to acknowledge that rivalry specifically because it was such a good. Rivalry in a part of the USC where maybe like you know John Jones was there and a lot of guys were there, but these ladies had it white hot. I couldn't wait for them to fight after that season, man. They're all up in each other's face, forehead to forehead, and like, man, I it was probably one of the more hyped fights in the last like I'll say five years, ten years, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, hyped as far as hype going into the fight, no question. Yeah, man, and, and it, I thought this, it delivered. This Yuri fight had quite a bit of hype going into it, but I think this Yuri fight. Well, hold on. I want to hear yeah. Paul talk about JJ a little bit before we get on that. Uh, but, you know, this is your favorite fighter, bud. How are you How are you doing now that she's gone? Real sad about it. Yeah. Yana and Jacek is... She's going to be a Hall of Famer. She's already a Hall she's of Famer. She's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. Or not, she was a walking legend. She's going to go down in the Hall of Fame. She's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That Waylay fight's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's One million Hall of Fame percent. Fight yep. Without a... Boogie Woman's coming to Hall of Fame. Boogie Woman. Boogie Woman. <laughs> and now, she's going to be successful with what she does in the future. Yeah, because she said she's... that mindset, yeah. you can do anything. She started a bunch of businesses, she said. She, she made her rally car racing debut she, a few months ago. She wants to become a mom, so there's your chance, Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talked about... DMs what, are always open. Always. Paul Martin. P-A-U-L. <laughs> um... But, you know, we talk about her. She's one of the greatest of all time, but we move on into Valentina Shevchenko and Talia Santos. Uh, it was probably the most, I don't want to say this to, to take a shot, but the, the main card was very exciting. This is probably the most boring fight on the card, but it probably has the most to talk about, right? Because Valentina looked like she might have lost her title. She looked like she was going to, right? Uh, I mean, like, if I was to really give it to Valentina, it would be the third, fourth, and fifth. Like, it, I had her in the second. Fair enough, but uh, it was a close fight nonetheless, though. But like, I, that fight was really 
Like it was one of the closer challenges that Valentina ever had, and um, honestly, there was a, a little point in the fight that uh, Paul had touched on before we went on camera. It was about the headbutt, and it may have been, and although it was inadvertent, though it was a big, big momentum shift of the fight. Fractured Titus, orbital bone, Santos needed surgery. Was, I, I gotta say, Santos was controlling the fight until she got headbutt in the face, like. With the I, grappling. It was yeah. a turning point in the fight. TSN turning point, yeah. What's up, bud? Okay. Like, it's a turning point, but that headbutt could have easily given Valentina the same cut. Yeah, if it was a couple inches the other way, I'm you're just right. not a fan of, se- like, when we... This happens quite a bit. There's a headbutt. And then, and then you, it's like, oh, oh like, she's cheating. You, like, blame the person. Yeah. Who, you can't blame Val for it. No, I, no, no. There's no question, but we, we do have this notion where we always blame the person who gave yeah. the, gave the, the, the damaging headbutt, right? Because they both clashed heads. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah. I don't know how many people have ever clashed heads with another human being. It doesn't feel good. Well, <laughs> well that sequence, right? That's the, the way that happened, too, is Talia really, uh, she... she 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 uh, sat on her strikes. Mm-hmm. She threw a one-two, and her head came in to the red zone, down the red line, right? And Val, instead of backstepping, like Talia was obviously trying to force her to do so she moved for the takedown or push her into the fence or whatever it was, Val ended up slipping it real hard. And Talia's head ended up coming into what technically is the red line of her head. So when she slips and comes back, she cracks her right across the eye. The one so, so there are intentional headbutts where guys lead with their head and they come in and they hit them in the mouth or the nose. But when you're slipping and someone's face ends up there, it's that's the most, some of the most unintentional circumstance you could talk about. I will say that when we talk about this fight, I really believe that it's not so much of the fact that um, that. That Valentina did it on purpose, Stop. but it's just the fact that it happened during the fight, and during the and during the fight, like no matter who, it, it's nobody's fault. But Valentina, because it happened, because it was a circumstance of the fight, it changed the momentum. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I still think that you don't know if Taylor Santos actually wins that third round. In my opinion, you know what I mean. Like I know you gave. Uh, until the second, but for me, it's a 48-47 fight. No matter what, it's a one-round fight. You know, and if she doesn't get headbutt, I almost believe that Taylor Santos could have won that fight had she not gotten headbutt. And yeah. it, it's a real momentum shift, no matter, you know, I, and I don't blame Valentina. I don't think it's Valentina's fault. Now, I just think it was just the circumstance and that changed everything. Now, that I was obviously a factor, but as the cut man got it back open, how much of a factor do you guys think it was? I don't think it was a factor at all. I think when. It's not being like she, I didn't like, see her expose that. I was looking for that big thing <laughs> GSP hook. But she never really gave that. Uh, no, I think so. When the it happened, and then we the camera switched, and we can see how bad it really was. I remember saying it was like it was really swollen. Her eye was like closed. Closed. During the time that her eye was closed, Val was working the left side of the body and landing body kick after body kick, and the and the kicks, those short leg leg kicks she she does. Um, she did land. She actually did land a head kick. Um. I, I, I do believe she attacked the left side, but I also, do, again, it's like that you have that championship pedigree, and when you're a fighter like Val, you're also not going to overexert yourself to try to get a finish that may never happen. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it always, it doesn't benefit yourself if you're always attacking that left side, so I do think she did in that first round, and then I think once her... Her she, eyes started to open up after that. Yeah, right after, and then... I mean, Frank, like... Yeah, I Amber Heard was the cut man in the corner. I, I said it I said it during the fights, like, uh, whoever her cut man is, like, the UFC needs oh, to Oh, it was Amber Heard. They got a raise. She needs a raise. Yeah, she needs she's <laughs> double. She um, should be both men's cut, cut man, because she can get that cut down in 30 seconds for both sides. That, that cut, for how bad it was, didn't bleed. No. Um, it, it, it actually was losing swelling, so she, there was a point where she was fully... Capable of seeing out of that eye. Yeah, it's the ice press that they use. So then, that, so I think Val did attack that left side when she could. I think that, but her cut man really did a great job of keeping her in that fight. Something to touch on though that we all heard about in the post fight interview is Val talk about her uh, uh, her injury to her foot. Uh, she was seeing a physiotherapist at the UFC PI for the entire week before that. So when we're talking about her throwing kicks on the left side, working the left side, it's possible because it was her right foot that was hurt. Hmm. 
So uh, was it was it intended that way? I don't know. It made me sad. She didn't do the dance. I know, and it was because she didn't of her do foot. The dance, man. Like, yo, I love foot. that dance, man. She's like, I, I'm gonna say it like it is, man. Like, it's a rather attractive dance because it's very, you know what I mean. The way she doesn't, she moves and stuff. But honestly, and and moving forward about it, like she, I felt as if even throughout like all five rounds too, she landed more strikes. She was more the more dominant. Especially the last three. Yeah, man, and and like with that alone, I I felt like as if that like it's pretty impressive that she had this injury and she's still able to come up and win the fight one way or another. And, and, Val, and Val's only better in the second fight. I know. So when you beat Tally Santos forty eight forty seven and you got to make her step back up there when you're full health, might be a different story. Paul, what do you think? I think Val's what probably pound for pound the best fighter there is. And the fact that <laughs> I do agree. And the fact that Talia was able to do that with her. Push her, yeah. It, it, I think it's a testament to how good Talia Santos is. It's very Kobe Covington Kamaru <coughs> Usman esque, I would mm-hmm. say, right? Because it, 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 like Kobe Kobe is that guy, he's not even in the pound for pound rankings, but he's the only guy who can push the pound for pound king. Mm-hmm. So Talia just did that. So she, she, you know, in essence, is that Kobe Covington character. Does Talia get an auto rematch? Uh, no. I got. I have a fight for Talia. Could she fight that? Um. Oh, what's her name? It's uh, Alexis. Uh, maybe Chukagian. If and if anyone wants to fight Val, they have to fight Chukagian. What about Tatuana, <laughs> Tatuana Suarez? Isn't she? Her? She's a strawweight, I believe. My bad. She well, she's she's going to return at flyweight because she just come, came off a knee injury. Okay. Uh, I believe she did return at flyweight, didn't she, Paul? But anyways, I know she was planning to return at flyweight. I thought, okay. But she's a strawweight. She was I ranked like number four flyweight. at flyweight. She has a win over Carla. Why should Talia not get the rematch if, if realistically... She's been Val's best fight since Val lost to... Because everyone looks terrible against Val. It's not that she was well, Val's she best fight. Well, Well, I, I argue... So why wouldn't she get it's a wide, shot? I mean, I'm not... It's a wide open division. I'm not against it. But there's still quite a bit of contenders. Like, Caitlin Jukagian's been at number two for a long time. And she's been pushing for a spot. That's what I was about to say. Is like, you, Caitlin Jukagian is... She deserves her shot, in my opinion. Before And then, you know, if Valentino wins that one, then does Santos... I won't say go as far to say Santos needs to fight another person to keep that spot. You know I'm, what I mean? But I'm not against it, you know? What is that? Well, the rankings. What do you got? There's, not, there's not a whole lot here for Val. What so is, give, her, yeah, give, her, give her again then. Well, I mean, Unless you're going to give her Chukagian. I feel like I feel like it's that or Chukagian. Chukagian's been there for a while. I also feel like as much as Chukagian deserves it, I think... If Chikagian did pull a Colby situation and sat she's on been, it a little bit, she's been waiting. There. She's been let because I I think um, uh, Val during the pre-fight press conference or whatever said that she wanted to fight again this year. So Val fights again in September or October, November, December, like she normally assuming does. Assuming she's healthy, yeah. Assuming she's healthy, um, then like I really don't hate. I don't hate Talia getting another shot because what I saw from her. If I'm being completely honest, can I plug in the Xbox? If I'm being honest, the front was somebody who. Oh, that too. Sorry, go ahead. What I what I think from Talia was that was somebody who legit, I think in a lot of people's eyes, did just win the belt. Mm-hmm. So realistically, I don't think it's about oh I got to fight this person. No, like you need to go out there and make sure that there's no question. As to who the champion in that division is. Mm-hmm. So I personally believe, as a fan of the sport, the only fight I want to watch Val do going forward would be Talia. Because unless you go... If that the fight goes out there again, and it's similar, and you're in those spot positions and whatever the case may be, and it's the fight's similar and it's close, then, I mean, would any of you have been upset if Talia got announced as champion? Yes. I'm a big Val fan, so... No, no, but you might be a Val fan, but would you have understood the decision? No. I, I can't agree with that. argument for the first three rounds. I, I can't agree I can, with that. I can agree with that. I, I, have, Val, I, I have Val 2-4-5. I had Val 3-4-5, but I do believe... One judge had a 2-3-4-5. But I do believe that 1-2-3 in a lot of fights, in a lot of fights, is getting scored for Talia. Here's my perspective on it. None of us are disagreeing on 4-5. And it's a lot for, Val, for for her to to give her all three close rounds. 
Especially when Val still put up a good effort in 2-3. Two, two, she lost one. There's no doubt about it. But she did put up an effort that was uh, compar- or, you know, comparable to Talia. And could have swung either way. And since she secured the first two rounds, I think it would be unfair to say, oh, Talia won 1-2-3. And I understand that's not how scoring works. But for me... You know, I just feel like it would be more fair to, uh, you know, in hindsight, give her... The- I mean, I also think if you go out win the fourth and fifth rounds of a championship fight, whether you lost the first three rounds or not, I think that shows you became champion. Shows metal, yeah. I, I, I know that sounds dumb in a lot of people's eyes, and hear me out when I say this. I just think that if unless you got dominated in those first three rounds, if you go out there and do what Val did in rounds four and five, like make it no question who won the rounds... It's hard for like that's what John Jones did I really for a whole agree career. With that point, I I love that point, and I I, I honestly think so, that the fourth and fifth round was undoubtedly. Let's let's. Oh, are you guys comparing it. Valentina Shevchenko to uh, John Jones right now? No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. right because Valentina Shevchenko is better than John Jones. Valentina oh, Shevchenko is the greatest oh, oh. of all time. Whoa, cowboy! So, anyways, whoa. So basically, cowboy. the nineteen and one Brazilian prospect on one foot. I'm just going to apologize to the 245 people that are following. You mean three? Dissect. You mean three? There's 245 on Twitter. On Twitter, <laughs> that are following MMA Dissect three. on Twitter. <laughs> um, but no, like Val is amazing, but I do. It's it's. I'm saying when I compare Jones, I'm saying the way Jones fought. Imagine which, if Val and Shevchenko fought John Jones at if she was 205 pounds. She's faster. She's probably a more aggressive grappler. It's not even like comparable. There's no, like she's almost a hundred sty- pound difference. Stylistically, no, There's I'm an saying eighty pound difference. No, but, in the but if you took her and made her two hundred five pounds, you can't do that. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. No, I just do it. Not, okay. It's talking about an unrealistic scenario. We're, no, we're we are we are, okay. we are arguing it's that two scenario. Two different kinds of fighting. Fair though. enough. John That's Jones the point. did That's fight Valentina. John Jones did fight Valentina Shevchenko at two hundred five pounds. And he almost lost by armbar. It was called TRT Vitor. So, like, I'm just saying, like, if I'm being honest, like, Vitor is an excellent jiu-jitsu artist, can grapple with the best of them, can strike with the absolute best of them, and when he's on steroids... There's no way he's more technical than Valentina. Then there's no one... There's there's not a whole lot of people that are as good as he is. Well, so John Jones did fight him, and guess what happened? He got out of an armbar no way you're going to tell me Vitor Belfort is as technical as Valentina Shevchenko. I'm saying Vitor Belfort... Be striking. The disrespect. I striking. think Vitor is quietly one of the most talented fighters ever. Probably okay. one of the best knockout artists of all time. But, but, I mean, I can say the same thing about, about Anthony talent. Johnson. He's not as good of a striker. No, but technically, Anthony Johnson sh- couldn't wrestle. The no, but you're talking, we're talking is, about striking here. I'm comparing striking here. So to say he was an established striker like Val is, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to but me. But to say that Val is an accomplished Grappler. I didn't, I'm not Vitor. making that claim. Okay. You're making the claim that Vitor's essentially the same fighter. Give it a second here. Let's let's start with the Paul here, who's got his hand, his face in his hand. He doesn't so like the, he doesn't like the John Jones nonsense. No, because, <laughs> no, he knows I'm right about Vitor Belfort on TRT. Like Paul, it's basically a, a, a 205 pound male version of Valentina Shevchenko. Paul, what do you think? It's a hard comparison to make. And when you are talking skill for skill, do a lot of Val skills translate to a 205 fighter? Like, I think there's some things she can do at she'd that be, weight. She'd be slower. That's impossible to do at 205. She'd be slower. I think there's just certain movements, flexibility-wise, yes, speed-wise. Grappling. I don't. I don't. Grappling changes because you can't just throw no, because, because it. Because with her, with, her, with, her, with her mentality, her she's not grappling heavy, okay? But her first eight fights in MMA, after um, being a Muay Thai kick, kickboxer, she she had seven submissions over eight wins. Okay, that and that's not by accident. That girl worked at it just like GSP did, right? Come half on, of, half of her takedowns in the UFC, if I'm being completely honest, are clinch work up against the cage. That's judo, and they're pulls. That's grappling. Okay, but you no, know, any any grapplers in the lightweight division, a light heavyweight division. Ever, ever, when you grapple, oh, when you me. grapple a guy, when you grapple a guy, and you go to pull, and you 
land on your back to roll them on their... You can't do that at light heavyweight because those dudes will just fall on your shit. So as soon as you grapple them and you go to pull back, it's they judo. just fall You're forward. You're saying you can't do judo at 205 because they're bigger. But no, it, it just bigger. doesn't happen because everyone at 205 has length and leverage. No, because everyone at 205 is more dependent on power because they're 205 pounds. <laughs> but there's, but there's no one that does it. You you haven't even seen take down even a guy, Daniel Cormier, who is an elite level wrestler at light heavyweight. Okay, you're just can't degradating light heavyweight a, to me. No, I'm not. <laughs> There's deg- nobody who can I'm, clinch. No, 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 I'm not disrespecting the clinch. I'm saying Val's t- style of takedowns, her judo tosses, and her pulls, and her, you know what I'm saying, the over the shoulders. That shit doesn't fly at light heavyweight, even if you are of in jujitsu black belt. I disagree because you're top or heavy. A, you're, a, being taller, being taller makes it work better. You're top heavy, but sorry, go here's on. the thing though. We're never probably going to see Val at 205. Of course not! But that's why we debate this point. But the thing is, we're never going to see John Jones at 205 again either. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a picture at 265. Do you know what we did see at 205, though? What? The main event. Yuri and Glover. Yeah. Oh, is, God. is this the best fight in the light heavyweight division? Not just championship fight, but is this the best fight in the light heavyweight division since Gustafson Jones? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, if you were going to say in history, I was going to disagree because I watched it back and it's not as good as that Jones Gus fight, but it's a, it, it has everything you're looking for in a fight. It has the grittiness, the reversals, the striking, the grappling. I gotta say that it was pretty amazing to watch round by round both of them beat the crap out of each other like schoolyard way. Like literally both of them, some of their grounded pounds made oh, me man. shiver, man. Like when you're getting punched in the face from the sky that hard, it, it felt like the shots they ate were out of this world, man. Like, you couldn't believe that they were still going after 20 plus minutes. It felt like Mike Tyson versus, like, an Anderson Silva because he has, Yuri's got the hands down style and and you got the tight guard, the the bob and weave come inside with Glover. So whenever they were standing up, it felt like two Goliaths coming at it. And then when you, when we look at the grappling beforehand, obviously we knew Glover was an established guy. But Yuri showed some heart that we didn't know existed. Right? I honestly, so I've I've been going over this the last couple days before we did this podcast, and I've tried to figure out um, if I want to call it heart, because I don't think it's heart. I think it's just who he is. That I I mean, like, so what I mean is like a fighter. You can you'll understand this when you're you get to a round or whatever. You have to dig deep. You're saying it's not uncomfortable for him. Not. I think I think the more a fights the way it the way that fight went. The better it is for him. He got four reversals in the grappling department in that fight over five rounds. There was one I screamed wow over and over again. He was in an arm triangle. He was in an arm triangle pinned in the outside half guard. He gives a thumbs up to the, the ref, says I'm fine. I thought it was over. I thought he was getting Ezekiel, yeah. right? I thought he was getting that power shoulder choke or whatever. Like, is Ezekiel choke? Is that what it's called? That's the one where you come across. Well, what was the one where the Glover does the one where he leans his shoulder in and chokes you out like that way? That's uh, a, a Linux. Von yeah. Von, the Von Flute. The Von Flute. Oh, you're talking about I, yeah. I thought he was in kind of a, a Von Flute choke uh, you know, variation. When he was in that spot, I thought Yuri was falling asleep. His hand went a little yeah, limp. Yeah, he went he went limp, but I think it was more just. To um, but relax. I think he was just relaxing his body, and so then he gives a thumbs up, and then he pulls outside leg under, flips the position from the arm triangle, and pulls his leg back under so he can stand up in a stack guard. And you know what's crazy about this is he's got a YouTube channel. I don't know if you found it yet. I did not know that. So he's got a YouTube channel and his coach was making him work on specific strength exercises like that to get out. So for instance, he'd take like an 80 pound dumbbell from back and he'd have to push it up and get up with that. And that was specifically pertaining to positions like this because his coaches knew exactly where 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 Glover wanted to take him. Which is scary because and his coach, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked into them. I don't know who they are, but obviously, whatever they've done that with that man, they've they've produced his full potential. That's that's Yuri at the best that Yuri can be. I just think when you look at a guy like Nate Diaz and he gets he gets cut, and then all of a sudden the fight's on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Yuri, it's like the harder the fight is. The more his heart pumps blood through his body. It's not heart. It's, it's like he's waking up. It's 
He still isn't even fully... Well, me and Paul talk about this all the time. Spartans were born to be fighters. He is a Spartan. He's a reincarnated Spartan. (laughs) We're huge fans of this era. Spartans were literally bred and born from the age of six years old. Or the moment they're able... They're getting smacked in the face. They're getting beat up by their parents. They're getting thrown around by the other kids at school. I'm saying, you look at a Yuri, and in his soul... I'm not going to call it heart. I'm going to call it pure soul because he has warrior soul. It, that, thing, that thing is, he's a different breed and he could lose his next fight. But that's not ever, you're not going to take that shit easy from him. Especially now that he's got that gold on. Now he's wearing that gold. How critical. To, to put him out, yeah. to what that's going to take for somebody. I'm not even saying he's the most skilled. I'm not saying he's the, the most explosive or strongest or most powerful. I'm saying that guys like him don't come around ever. And that w- that's David Goliath. That's that's that ability, that's Achilles. That's you know what I'm saying? That mentality to be in the ring like that and to just be just, present it in doesn't, the moment. He got hit so hard in that fifth round. Like I'm talking there isn't a soul that can be that tired Put out that much output, go into the fifth round, and eat the biggest, most explosive shots of the entire fight. Straight on the chin. Look his opponent dead in the face and go, nah. Get taken down, reverse it, and finish the fight. But he took the shot and went, nah. No, you know what? The one thing I got to say about Yuri Petraka, like last fight, Dominic Reyes, I still said in the last podcast, fought the best fight in his life. He cracked him with a couple of shots that we all kind of, you could say, he hurt him once, right? But here's the crazy thing is that he even impressed me way more in how he could battle adversity in this fight against Glover. It is debatable to say Glover's going to a decision here. He was going to win that fight, possibly. Like you can. Glover was twenty-eight it. seconds away from winning a bit pretty clear. He was ahead on that round. Right. He was ahead three-one and uh, three-two. I believe. Right. Sorry. Exactly. So the crazy thing about this oh, is like Yuri two. for Yuri to be able to still mm-hmm. keep pushing forward, pushing forward. How much better? Of a champion does that make him that he went through so much adversity to even get that belt? He this next fight, debatably because of his skills, will not be even close to as challenging if he doesn't fight Glover again. If he fights someone else, like who could be like fourth or fifth, because who is there? Who is there that you're gonna say he's gonna stand there and really like try with you? You're gonna be able to take him down. Jan Bakowitz. Really? Yep. Jan Bakowitz is gonna sit in that pocket with him, and that's the thing that's impressive about Glover. And I'll touch on all this. Glover absolutely dominated Anthony Smith on the ground for five rounds. Glover absolutely annihilated Jan Bokowitz on the ground. Yuri Prohaska survived five rounds, reversed him four times, and finished him with a choke. Such a good point. That says something about that man. Such a good point. And that's not like in his career. Those are his last three fights. Glover was apologizing to Anthony Smith. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. And I'm a big Anthony Smith fan. He was apologizing while beating his ass. Is that not one of the best, like... Well, I don't want to say the best, but is it one of the most blood-pumping comebacks you've ever seen? It, I was excited at the end of that. It fight. was kind of weird because, um, yes, it was a comeback, and I'm kind of with you on that. But, but like, it wasn't. I, but it wasn't. It was a war that he came out of. Because I feel like it was 2-2 going into the fifth, and it was a matter of... But then Glover came out with that championship pedigree. Like, he had had it for... He had had this belt for 20 freaking years. He came out through explosive punches, held his stamina when he could... Had clean takedowns when he needed, but then it was like there was just something where it was like was with 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 a minute thirty left, it just didn't feel like Yuri was out of the fight. And I and I honestly think of two fights that gave me that same vibe, where it's so fun when you go into the fifth round and it's two two, right? Like the Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington first fight. It was 2-2 going into the fifth round. We can't wait for that That's what that felt like. And then, how about Jan Blackwood versus Izzy Adesanya? The fifth round was so intense because going in there, like, you know, you had to know that, like... Yeah, I mean, I didn't want Izzy to lose. I I had it 3-1 for Jan going into the fifth round. I still... Yeah, okay, fair enough. Exciting fight, nonetheless. But it was a a good fight. I feel like Izzy did it. It was close enough, I felt like. Yuri becomes the, the youngest light heavyweight champ at UFC 275. Wait, wait. The, the youngest current champ, current champ John sorry. Jones, is by the, the youngest way, of all time. Is the actual youngest champ of all time at 21 years old, 22 years old. Was it 22 or those 23? He was 22. Yeah, 23, yeah. Okay, but. He joined at 21. But no, he was damn well, like, already the champ at 22. It was just he had to, he had to do, like, the fight. Well, he lost. Remember? 
And thank you for coming to the couch dissection. That's all we've got for you today. The 275 recap. Fucking pissing me off. Next week we've got Qatar versus Emmett. That'll be a fun card. Uh, Sorry, did you want to say something, Pia? I mean, like, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Jazz. Jasmine, uh, what's her, do we know her last Just name? Just Yes, she's going to fight on that card. On she's the an Adder, yes, she's an Oh, Adder yeah, Falls she's Athens. That's right. Yeah. So she is from the home base. Yeah. Niagara, gonna, Niagara top team. 905, The baby. 905. Now, I'm really jacked to see her. I bet she beats that ass one more time. We're cheering for you. Everyone, everyone looks down on Canadian wrestling. But, but the coaches they've got at Brock University that have been working with guys like Aaron Jeffrey and Jasmine Jestavides have been putting it on. You you think you know a guy like Andre Petrovsky who's, who's been in tough, who wrestled his way through, just had a great ground and pound knockout not long ago. But Aaron Jeff, Jeff, Joffrey uh, out-wrestled that guy and Jasmine used to... Used to uh, Used to train with him and, and the same wrestling coach. She still has the same wrestling coaches. Don't and, look down on her. And the fun part about this is that what the interesting angle of that fight is that uh, her opponent Natalia Silva has four straight arm submissions. Ooh. Four straight going into this. So this is a pretty big test for her, and I can't wait to see her fight. Honestly, it's going to be a wicked card. Even the prelims are pretty stacked. You got some big names like Cody Stamens there. It's one Phil of those. Haas, it's Kyle one of those like, It's man, one it's of those ones. Good. It's one of those ones that fly. Dacus, yeah. Thank it's you. one of those ones that fly under the radar, eh? Where you're like, oh, it's a fight night. But sometimes they get some fights and on there. don't forget the Joe Lowe's on Donald Dallas Cowboy Cerrone's There's another song. There's that could be the last fight for both of them. Both of them, yeah. yeah. It's, that's a retirement fight. It's most fight. likely the last fight for both of them, for being honest. But uh, who, there's another really good fight on that Does card. Court McGee go to decision? Oh, who's he fighting? He's on the fight. He, he's on the fight card. And I just find he always goes... He's such an old school warrior for the it's old school. Jeremiah Wells. We should really do some picks next next podcast. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. some like... Uh, we, we should Like eat. a parlay picks? No, no. Like we should each come with our favorites. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll look through the card. Pick what you think is going to make yeah. you the most money on a sure bet. I think whenever you start a fight off with Phil Haas, like the, or a fight card off with Phil Haas, it's going to be a good night. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it's going to be exciting, no doubt about that. All right. Thanks All right. for joining us again. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that's the podcast, people. Make sure to check out MMADissect.com for all your latest MMA news, results, weighing results. We got it all. 